Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode number 96, The Scandi Invasion. I'm Matthew Turner, alongside my co-host Ryan McCluskey and guest CJ Seymour, returning guest from Viking World Order. How are you doing, boys? I'm very well. How about you? I'm getting there. Um, I'm powering on through. It's a busy podcasting week. Just trying to get through it all. I'm happy that I got a special delivery. My Barry Sanders custom official signed helmet has arrived. Authentic. Very nice. It's inscripted. Let's. I'll show you it. Yeah, do. Yeah, I, I do want to look at this myself. It's totally custom face mask, everything, and it's got uh, inscriptions. No. Yeah, like so. I like that. Just out, just out of curiosity, you mean you don't? You can tell me to fuck off gladly, right? Uh, <laughs> how, how, how much did that set you back out of curiosity? Uh, about eight, nine hundred pounds. Not too bad. I was about to think, oh, Dan, that's not going to be cheap with it being very standard. And I believe that's the full sig as well. It's not the half, not the shorthand. Yeah, full sig inscriptions. Next to it, I've got a Kenny G helmet that. Uh, he's kind of dead to me, but yeah, that's afraid. that's not appreciating at the moment. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got a little bit of merch on, but it's it's not much. It's just uh, celebrating the Go Blue victory on Saturday yeah. uh, in the yeah. big house. So I am returning from being at that game, which was amazing. What an experience um, in the big house. You might have seen I posted some photos on Instagram. It was a terrific trip. It's actually the first time I met Ryan Farden. So he's from London. And I'm yeah, from Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> you meet out in the D. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right. Am I, have... am I right in thinking, Matt, that you met up with... Um... Oh, gosh, what's his name now? I'm trying to think of him. Uh... Herman Moore? No. No. <laughs> uh, not the... Oh, um... Crackman. I know, well, Crackman, certainly. Um... Pilgrim. Pilgrim, yeah, I met up with Pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah, did you do a live with Pilgrim? Yes. I yeah. remember I, I remember seeing the live and I was like, I'm sure it's someone from... And I didn't actually recognise you at the time. I, like, I recognise the name, but I don't know why I know this guy. Oh, I actually forgot I did that until you told me. He's big on his social media, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah he grabbed me and was just like, we're going live. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think Panic. Uh, I think I was a half a bottle of five or whiskey in, which he basically you, you fed stand, to You sounded half cooked, to be honest. <laughs> so we got to the tailgate at about seven in the morning after Ryan that, traded that's, me. That's late. Yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> I got to the hotel at half past six, and Ryan was like, right, let's go. And he didn't know where he was going. He was like, no, I got it. You know, I'm a Londoner. I know where I'm going, whatever. And we walked about halfway around Detroit. It, I don't know where this fucking thing is. Like, <laughs> come East, on, East market. So, yeah, no, so East Market shut for tailgating. Oh, it's gone now, yeah. For okay. this year, it's a COVID thing. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, so it was um, west of the stadium somewhere, kind of off, uh, the other side of the theatre. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. lovely, lovely little tailgate. But they basically, I'm not going to say they force-fed me. I did it willingly, but I was probably <laughs> like, 
three or four oh, yeah, pints and a half a bottle of whiskey. You get, you get looked after by the Lions fam, don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was it was a heck of a Did you go in the tub or did you at least get invited into the tub? <laughs> no, I didn't. No? No, no. Did you do the, <laughs> you, take it you did the blue shots though? Yeah, oh, did the blue shots. You're, you're well versed <laughs> in the Lions tailgating community then. You, you, you oh, yeah, I, I was there. Oh, yes, I was uh, 2019 over in the D. Fantastic. Well, um, I, I wish I was there get, now. Managed to get uh, field passage for that game as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, board, board field. Fair play. Oh. We could CJ Hammond digs on the sideline as well, uh, pre-game. Wow. And if I remember rightly, I might have actually gone now, uh, my cover photo on Facebook mm. is actually a picture of me uh, two guys from the Switzerland Vikings, and now at the well at the time he wasn't, but he is now a leader of the VWR Army Division. Um, is as uh, uh, Sir Jersey is his name, Lewis Palomino, and that that was taken and actually went on NFL for that particular game as a advertisement wow. photo. Photo, uh, the four of us stood outside the the front of um, Detroit Stadium, where it says Ford Field. Fantastic! That's really cool. Yeah, very very right. good photo one of my yeah. favorite ones from that that particular game day event yeah i'm not surprised um that sounds terrific i wish i was there for this game too because the vikings always provide a an interesting game right let's quickly introduce the pod so if you're watching live thank you so much that fan man he says hey turn i heard you're the um good luck charm are you now going annually and if not what the hell yeah i'm going annually why not it will happen i'll make it happen somehow um don't forget to join our Discord, free for all, DM us on Twitter, you can get entry for that. Lots of uh, chat about this and that and everything. The College Football Podcast was on yesterday, will be on again tomorrow as well. Ryan, what did he cover yesterday? What's coming up tomorrow? Uh, yesterday was the uh, the playoff race. It was portals, we look at the head coaching vacancies. Tomorrow we're going to look at the uh, stat leaders all the awards as well that have been the finalists and handed out. And I'm going to look at the players that have entered the portal that a bit more outsiders, the lesser known, not the Oklahoma guys, a bit more spread out. Let's see who could get a nice pickup of a player. Fantastic. I hope you uh, gave some love to the Gophers as well for the beating of the Wisconsin for the Paul Bunyanak. Uh, that I'm sure goes down quite well with a lot of people across the board. We just want yeah, like teams from Wisconsin lose, to be brutally honest, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, they let themselves down. And the Paul Bunyan Axe, as you mentioned, it's uh, it's just one of the best trophies in football. And good, good going Gophers, because I love them in their uniforms. Big Minnesota fan. Right. Uh, don't forget to like us up on the pod. Hey to Hatters House 710. Thank you for joining. Uh, like some sub on the YouTube account, what have you, that would really help us out. Lions Nation Unite, download the app. We are official contributors, along with Herman Moore and all the other really good guys. We'd appreciate if you did that too. There's going to be some really cool stuff. So I was talking with Herman on Friday, um, and he was talking about his vision for the app. I'm sure that if you guys actually follow the Lions in any sort of form or fashion, you've seen him give his sort of 30-second promo. But if you if you nail him down and talk to him for ten minutes about like what the long term vision of what he actually wants to do with it, it's much bigger than just do something nice for the fans. And to be honest, if you go there from the start and you're kind of uh, familiar with everything that's happening, it's going to be a really rich and rewarding experience. Effectively, what is lacking from the Lions game day experience and where the gap is 
and what we want to try and fill. It's going to start small, it's going to build up, but it's going to be part of something really, really massive. So do go and download that from the Google Play, app stores, what have you. Um, we're going to quickly do a little bit of news. We're then going to touch on Bears at the Lions last week because we missed a podcast and didn't quite get a chance to talk about that. That will be brief for a reason. And then we're going to talk about <laughs> the Vikings at the Lions this Sunday. And we'll start off with a little bit of news. It looks like DeAndre Swift's injury in the Bears game is going to have him out for between two and five weeks. Five weeks will take him to within a week of the end of the season, Brian. And considering how Goff, how Hawkinson have lacked on offense in pre, you know, recent weeks, that's a massive blow for this team. That's the only offense we have. Like realistically, moving the ball is nearly a thousand scrimmage yards for the season. He's having a statistically one of the best seasons as a running back in the league. When you look from yards from scrimmage, he's like top five. For me personally, just put him on IR and end his season. I don't see him coming back. I don't think he's going to return because I don't want to put strain on that shoulder for a totally pointless stretch of games, essentially, now. That puts even more onus on the rest of the backs. Maybe we're now going to see Craig Reynolds. I think he'll probably be activated this week. But we've got him. We've got Jamal Williams. You've still got Jamal Jefferson. You've got Godwin Iguobuke. Right, you have four serviceable running backs. That kind of makes up still for the lack of absolute zero passing offence. Even though we've just seen Goff have the best game as a Lion, pretty much he was kind of perfect. In a way, because he didn't do anything wrong. But he also... Well, it wasn't anything flashy. I mean, let's He didn't come out of the um, the blocks and look like um, uh, Cam Newton. Let's be, let's, be, let's be honest. No, that's true. Cam Newton he, also God lost could have that come game. out of the blocks and looked immediately like Cam Newton. And I think that probably would have seen a lot of Lions fans getting the old rope out and finding the highest orifice to throw it over. Right. Yeah. Um, Moving it on, third-round rookie cornerback Ifatu Melafon, who's been activated off IR. He had a rough preseason, then had a really solid week one, and then was immediately placed on IR, Ryan. And with our cornerback there, that's a welcome return. I mean, effectively, he's a rookie again, right? You know, just scratch whatever's happened before. He's got to learn from square one, right? Yeah, he's, he's learning his trade still. I don't agree with the talk about putting him outside and bumping Jerry Jacobs in because I'm pretty sure Jerry Jacobs has earned that corner slot now. Don't just give him the crappy nickel roll. Make make Ify work for it and earn it again to get back outside. Ease him in, because Mark Gilbert, we've got those rotational. Parker probably won't see again this year, but we've got two nickel guys now in Gilbert and Ify that can work their way out. And we've still, our man is still mopping up those trash interceptions. Could it well make the pro Bowl? Jerry Jacobs is still playing lights out for an undrafted free agent, so... It's going to be harder for him to get snaps than he might think it will be. He ain't just automatically going to go back in there. No, absolutely. The thing right. as well with playing the nickel um, that I have to throw in as well, Ryan, is it can make a good corner look absolutely awful and it can make a great corner look really, really well if he plays it well. Nickel, to me, is one of the hardest positions to play as a cornerback. And yeah. if, he's not up to, if he's not up to scratch, he, that could be his career done and seen to. Or he'll be looking for pastors new just to try and revitalise his career, like we've seen countless times across the league. I completely agree. So our undrafted free agent, AJ Parker, who's been our starter all year, came in as an undrafted free agent as an outside corner, looked atrocious, like really, really bad, and then got shoved inside and suddenly 
all of our starting nickels have been cut, and he's the guy. So you're absolutely right. You know, it can make corners and it can break them depending on what their skill set is. Absolutely. It just depends on who turned up for you. Absolutely. Right. A couple of more boring bits of news. Ty, uh, tackle Darren Paolo's released from the practice squad. Linebacker Curtis Bolton signed in his place. I believe he played for the Packers in a past five. Who cares? He's never played. He's, ne- he's never started a game for the Colts or the Packers. Is it's uh, irrelevant and who's the tackle? Don't even know. No, no, he sounds vaguely Italian, and we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and the last bit of a uh, boring news, disappointing news, I guess, but good riddance in some ways as well. Uh, defensive end Deshaun Hand has been released with injury assessment from IR. There we go. He uh, managed to be injured for thirty out of fifty-nine games in his Detroit career. He started, I think, from memory, nine out of those 29 games and always had the promise, had first-round ability, but had, you know, non-NFL-caliber limbs. <laughs> he always seemed to injure them. So, I mean, it's unfortunate and wish him all the best, but I couldn't waste another dime on him here. No, I wish him all the best, but I'm so glad we're not paying his wages anymore. The guy's featured in 16 games in three years. He doesn't have hamstrings. He's probably got cheese strings. He's held together with a bit of a prick stick and bloody PVA glue, ain't it, guys? Did you say prick but... stick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to struggle to get... I saw like someone put, like, he could be a good pickup later on for a playoff-needed team. Like, come on, guys, be realistic. The guy is not going to get picked up straight away. He ain't going to go straight into a playoff team lineup because he had, what, three tackles for loss and, like, three sacks in his first eight games as a career. And since then... He's literally been keeping the medical staff and nurses with a job. Right, let's be realistic. The guy could very well be washed. I, I hope he's not, but he's going to bounce around. I'd buy his personal trainer myself. Well, yeah. He's not doing a very good job at keeping him healthy. No, right. Okay, now three really sad bits of news, so let's just get through it. Former special teams coordinator Steve, uh, Stan Kwan passed away this week, aged 54. He was at the team in the late 90s and early 2000s. He was a really beloved member of the coaching staff at the time, so that's very sad. The second bit of sad news is, of course, the school shooting in Oxford, Michigan, uh, Oxford High School, Michigan, and just thoughts and prayers to all that affected. Um, it's a horrific thing that's happened once again, and I'm not going to spout on politics here because it's not my job, but something has to change. And it the last way too often as well. Yeah. I mean, how many days has it been since there's been a mass shooting in America? I think there's like a run of well over Wasn't a year. Wasn't it like three weeks ago there's one in Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah. It just happens too often. And I think Dan Campbell said about his offense, it's the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing again and again and again and expect different results. If you want to avoid mass shootings, you have to do something different than what you're doing. That's I do have to say, though, in regard to um, the Wisconsin, and I hate speaking about Wisconsin as a state, but I do have to give a, a great shout out to, to um, JJ, is it TJ Watt or JJ Watt, who has um, basically put up the money for all of the people who have died in the school in the school shooting in Wisconsin uh, and said he will pay for the funerals. Yes, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Was, I know I it's one of the Watt. <laughs> That's as yeah. much as I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I think two and, went to Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah. 
the final bit of news, I think, and I didn't hear it actually, but I think Ant touched on it yesterday, Ryan. Yeah, uh, Detroit Lions on the prowls. Jim Bordeaux passed away. Jim is someone that I didn't know particularly well, but what I do know is that when we started doing this podcast, and effectively when we started doing it on YouTube, effectively not doing it just on audio, he pretty much approached us straight away. I don't know how he found us and said, "Can I help?" This is what we do. Would love to collaborate. You come on ours. We'll come on yours. Let's make something great. And then Anne pretty much successively has been on his show on Friday, the Friday Free For All, where they bring around a round table of Lions contributors. And they've been a really good friend to Anne through all of that process. And then Detroit Lions on the Prow actually eulogized him in a lovely video for an hour as a round table in his honor. Uh, a few days ago, which I watched. It had his daughter on there as well and his his wife. Thoughts and prayers with them. It's very clear to me that Jim didn't just single us out and think, I'm just going to pick those guys because they're good. But he found everyone he could and just tried to make everyone better around him. So it's a massive loss to our community and just wish his family all the best. Right, let's move on and talk about the Chicago Bears game very, very quickly. Uh, Inactives were Vitae Nelson Benson, Flowers and his highlights. And Parker was put on IR during the week, which is really unfortunate. 16-14 loss, another final second field goal to kill the Lions. The touchdowns were Reynolds starting off the first. I think it's the first time we've scored a touchdown in the first possession this season. Could be wrong, or at least the first time I scored a touchdown. In the first Don't possession. look at me. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Josh Reynolds, 39-yard pass from Jared Goff. I think that's his is his longest passing touchdown in the air this season because he threw it the whole distance. Broken down play, and Goff actually didn't throw to his first read. So congratulations to Jared Goff because he did something that surprised me, which is great. No, no shade phone. No, right, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Jimmy Graham caught a seam pass 17 yards from Dalton for a 10-7 lead. Hawkinson then caught a 17-yard touchdown pass from Goff to make it 14-13. And then down the stretch, the Lions looked like they were putting together a really good drive to potentially ice the game. A few successive penalties to get into a second consecutive third and 32, or at least a third and a second third and 32 in the game. It was a decent Walmart parking lot, put it that way. so then we punt the ball away, and then the Bears unfortunately go on a nine-minute drive to grind down to the field goal to win the game. Uh, Goff, as Ryan mentioned earlier, accurate. I think he was 80% completion rate in the game, which is far greater than what he's managed to do previous in this season. He was not helped by ill-discipline on the line, by his receivers, by his tight ends, by anyone who could commit a false start penalty or a holding penalty. They managed to do it. He actually threw really well, including a couple of deeper balls. The touchdowns of Reynolds, as I mentioned, the Hawkinson touchdown. But also, he actually just aired it out a little bit. Not a huge amount, but compared to what we're used to, somewhat positive. Both sides struggled to run the ball. The Lions fell down once again when it came to situational football. Especially, Ryan, when it came to the second-to-last play, barring the kneel downs, where... Campbell did the back-to-back timeouts, a third and nine, to avoid conceding a touchdown, take the five-yard penalty, and then avoiding defending the sticks, 
when a touchdown would have been the preferable conclusion compared to a first down. Shambles. Yep. I didn't know that calling back-to-back timeouts was a penalty. I, I've actually never heard that rule. Everyone was kind of It's only like... new this, this season, I believe. It's not, it's yeah, not been in the league yeah. for long. No, so it was just it was just bad. Now, I've seen it on Twitter that, again, what was the issue on that last drive when the Bears won? It was third down because the Lions cannot get off the field on third down. Third and four. Let's, <laughs> let's play cover. Third and four, let's put all our defensive backs seven, eight yards away and let's give them that easy first down so they can punch in a game-winning field goal. Like, just come on. How many games this year have we seen poor third player down with no pass rush? We're still sending three pass rushers. Like, I know we don't have anyone to rush the passer, but at least send a fourth guy. Like, it's just these things. Like, I'm really getting frustrated with Aaron Glenn. And I take turns getting frustrated between Glenn and Campbell. And it just seems to swap week to week because the offensive play calling this week wasn't terrible. Goff was actually pretty good for the best part. Running the ball, I think when they lost the tie to the concussion, that didn't help because then you're getting total rookie another week where penalties, oh, I just, I just, I can't bear it. Every time now I see a bit of laundry on the floor, I know it's on the Detroit. I know it's a lion that's been penalised because it just always does. I just, I dread to think about how many we've got already this year. I can't even look at the stats, can't bear it. But it was just another crucial loss. When they got that drive, I knew they were going to win. I knew we were never going to see that ball again. That they were just going to kill the clock. And they did it perfectly. Did have an air of shot in fuss about it when we kind of conceded. We should have been scoring a touchdown from the drive before. We should have been going eight points up. And instead, we could have gone seven points down, because they probably would go for the two-point inversion and get it. But the play call shouldn't be hard, right? Five guys on the line to gain, looking to come forward, and two two safeties behind them in coverage, just trying to stop anything over the top as a token gesture. But to be honest, actually, just put all seven on the line. Have seven on the line, um, line to gain, and four defensive linemen. Rush a passer. Don't let them complete short, uh, for a first down. And if you give up a touchdown, you do. At least you've got a chance to continue the game. But you ensured a 0% chance of victory. Yeah, because there was still room between getting the first down and scoring. I wanted I wanted us to either say stop them or let them score so we could yeah. get the ball back because we had at least a few seconds left. But we just gave such cheap, small, easy, soft coverage up that they just took three yards every player. And knowing they'd eventually get in field goal range, they never even tried to score a touchdown. And that was the most annoying thing. They just knew that they could dink and dunk because we were just so passive. We're just so spineless in the fourth quarter on defence because we play too soft because we're scared to lose. And we still can lose. I do have to ask you, Ryan, um, because when you mentioned that the teams played soft, and I, I turn around and said this is the Vikings' big problem as well. We can play very, very soft D at the best of times. Do you think it's partial to a lot of the new rule changes that have come in over the years, which has not made which has made football less violent as a contact sport as opposed to say twenty eleven? Uh, no, I don't think it is. I think it's just I think because because I, I will say now when you look at the likes of twenty eighteen, the Vikings 
like, you know, with Sendejo in the backfield and Smith as our safeties, Sendejo hits like a freight train. Whereas, you know, the hits that Sendejo would put in against, say, the Saints or the Eagles in the 2018 season, you don't see them throw of hits now because he would get flagged. You'd see 15-yard penalty for targeting. Well, case or, in point, Vontez Perfect as well. Yeah. Or well, Tyre Whitehead. Look at, the, Whitehead. Yeah. Look at Tracy Walker this year. Yeah. Tracy Walker this year could have got flagged. He tackles like he is a homing missile. He puts his arms down, dives in with his head and his shoulder. He's already had a concussion because his form isn't great. So there's some players out there that are tackling like there's no rules in the game, like it's backyard football. And then there's some guys like like Alex Anzone and AJ Parker who have a very high missed tackle rate. I've looked at the numbers. They've missed lots of tackles. Just poor angles. It's just... That's the soft defence. It's just fundamentals taking But do you think the soft defence comes about, though, because of the fact that players are now having to adapt from what they've done for years to now find a way of tackling, which is allowed by the league, as opposed to just letting play be play? Oh, the rules are definitely crippling the game. I I completely agree with that. that. Tackles are getting missed. Tackles are getting broken because they're scared to come down hard. They're trying to wrap up and fail. The new rules, especially roughing the passer, roughing the kicker, how much they've yep. jumped that up has been absolutely criminal because you only have to look at the game where we could have beat the Vikings, was it last year, where we where Tracy Walker comes through, lays curve oh. down, puts a, pill, puts a pillow underneath him nearly and gets called <laughs> for it. But that, that, we agree, the rules but are Again, that's the Rodgers rule for you with Anthony Barr breaking his collarbone. Oh, I, can't, I don't want to get injured anymore. You know, and because of it happens to one of the league's pretty boys, if you will. Not that I would agree that Rogers is a pretty boy. He looks like a bit of a pedo, um, especially with his lockdown hair and his um, and his <laughs> dirty Sanchez across his lip. Um, but you know, <laughs> Ro- Rogers is one of the you know the beloved goats of the league, if you will. As Packers will try and tell us, like, sorry, but <laughs> I don't know many goats with one ring. Just saying. Um, you know, a lot of the goats when you come into that sort of conversation. Oh, I agree, yeah. yeah. You know, Rogers gets his collarbone broke by Anthony Barr in, you know, what would have been a fantastic tackle and it wouldn't, you know, you don't get frowned upon. Now you're not allowed to put your weight on a quarterback when you when you sack them. But sometimes you can't help it. You know, if you run a quarterback over and they collapse underneath you, chances are you're going to topple over them because it's just natural, you know, <laughs> it's a natural flow of motion. Yeah. If I run yeah, you're asking him to do something you that fall isn't backwards, normal. I'm going to go over you because your legs are going to get tangled up in mine and I'm going to go into you. If I hit yeah. you sideways on, chances are, you know, part of my body is going to land on top of you. You can't avoid it. No, and that, that's the thing. The rule needs to be some sort of thing where, like, if it's very clear and obvious that it could have been avoided, the angle was such that you intentionally did it, then... That's yeah. egregious and there's a penalty. But otherwise, it's normal. But how do you police that? That's impossible. So well, just don't is, do this it. This is the thing, because, you know, with, with sacks nowadays, this is the main one for me. Like, if I'm if Ryan was a quarterback and I was playing defensive end, nose tackle, linebacker, and I'm going for the sack, I'm going to wrap you up and drive you into the floor. I'm making sure you're hitting the turf. Whereas now it's almost like with the rule, is I've got to run at you, Ryan. I do all my, you know, my actions to try and stop you from throwing the ball and I get up to you like oh yeah I can't land on you so I'm just going to push you really hard if you've got a good centre of balance chances are you're just going to wheel away 
that's that's not going to do anything unless I push you to a point where I knock you sideways and you topple over because you lose your footing. You know, it makes it a lot more difficult to get you to the floor. It does, and that's why pressure nowadays, pressures are becoming more important than sacks. Just hurrying the quarterback, getting in his face, because you can't get flagged for a pressure. But like I said, who was it earlier? Was it Kyler Murray that got a flag for someone pushing him over and he stumbled? I think that was yeah. the worst flag I've seen all year. He didn't even fall to the ground. That's how soft things but have then become. This, this is another thing, though, is like, right, and you guys will probably agree with me when you look at um, well, the Bears game, for, for example. You guys were getting flagged for things that the, the Bears themselves would do when you were on, like, when you were on D. But it's, 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 it got it's, flagged for one team, but not the other. The thing is, though, once you establish a track record of you doing it the first time, then they're always looking for it for you. It's the same yeah. in, in soccer as well. If you are a bit dirty sometimes, you get called for a foul. Suddenly you get called for it again and again and again because the refs are looking for it. You've signposted that you're doing it. And it, it never is going to be even. And actually it's preached when you play soccer. But then the thing is, though, do not the, do this because... or. The referees, though, uh, I believe, are volunteers, aren't they? They're not actually... Yeah. Yeah. The, the volunteers, they're not actually, you know, specifically trained and made important by the league. I think if you get people whose job it is to know the rules of football and a baseline sort of understanding of everything you get away from this form of bias because it is obvious. There is bias amongst referees in the league. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we should get you on with a certain Roger Goodgrove sometimes, CJ, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will I will quite happily have a chat with Roger. Well, so we had him on during the draft last year and Ant basically said exactly what you did. He got a dressing down from that guy. <laughs> Roger was like, I ain't having this shit. <laughs> so... Well, something needs to be done because... Me personally, you know, I used to play flag football and Jed Llewellyn, I can't say his last name, he's, he's Welsh, Llewellyn Brooks, I think his name is. That's, that could be the pronunciation. I could be butchering it completely. He, Turman has said amongst the Baffer um, flag football league that he wanted to do a coaching crash course for every single player in the league, as many people per team can go, you need a minimum of two for your team to be eligible to play that season then you have two people that can head referee a game because you referee your own game, so to speak, um, at yeah, the tournament yeah, days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he turned around and said, I want to make sure everybody has the same understanding of what should be called and what shouldn't be. And there was never, like, for that season and the season after, until I obviously didn't bother going back, there was no dispute when it came to flags because everybody was like, yeah, Fair enough. You explain what you saw to the people that you flagged, and they got, yeah, I did do that. Fair enough. There was never a dispute. It was fair. You know, there was three, four flags a game, and let that be that. Whereas, you know, looking at the Bears game, there was, what was your flags that you had? I remember it being about seven for 65 or something like that at one point. Sounds about right. I think it did end It was something ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, you take that same performance and put that in with a different refereeing team, you'd have probably been three for 40. Because certain things don't get flagged, don't get called. Maybe so. There's no, but there's no consistency. And that's no. what I think we need to address. 
I, I completely agree with you. I do not think it would have had an impact on this game, though, because even at 4 for 30, if, if you say that we don't stack our flags, we just get one per drive. That's enough for us to not be able to get there, unfortunately. First <laughs> Join the club. For, you say that, but okay, we're going to get into this right now. So uh, Vikings at Lions, let's go through the betting, and then I'll talk about what I mean in a second. Lions 5-2, to two, Vikings 10-3 to three on, 7-point spread, 46.5 the over-under. Injury report. I do not have a Thursday as yet. Walk through. So I take, I... take it right from the odds that you just said there. We're favoured. Oh, massively. Yeah. I yeah. think I think Lions are underpriced. I think Lions are. I think Lions are a bargain price there. So you take the Lions on the spread. Not so much on the spread. I think the Lions have got a, a very very good chance. I don't know what the Lions spread would be. Seven seven points. Seven points. Seven points. I think Lions have got a good chance. Fair enough. Um, right. When, when you think of the... Well, I've not seen today's injury report for the Vikings, but we've got a great deal of players missing. Dalvin Cook missing is going to be a big one. Yeah. Christian Darasaw, who's coming for our offensive line. He'll be. He, um, he is out. Anthony Barr is apparently um, didn't participate in training the other day. Mm-hmm. Ryan Connolly we've got a lot of big, Cameron we've got a big, Bynum. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cameron Bynum's a big, a big miss. We've got a lot limit- of players which are... Yeah, Lim- limited in practice. Mackenzie Alexander, Sheldon Richardson, Nick Vigil, Eric Kendricks, Bashar Freeland, and Armand Watts, which is a really long list. Yeah, so to me, ironically, you won't miss Dalvin Cook because he hadn't played the last two games against the Lions, and Alexander Madison has 290 yards and won both games for you. I think you've got one of the best second string running backs in football. And he's going to absolutely dominate us. I think he's going to bowl again. I, see, I'm in two. I'm in two minds. Alexander Madison can find holes, but then the question is, you need the offensive line to create them for him. And when when Darisaw's in, them holes are being made. Darisaw has made some absolutely humongous holes since he's come in. With Darisaw missing, I think them holes are going to dry up. And Madison's going to be running into a brick wall made of Vikings players. And if, he do, if there is a small crack in that wall, it's going to be filled with a blue shirt. I hope so. I hope so. You might if be Madison, right. If, if, if Madison is getting yards against the Lions, he's going to be a very, very lucky break through the middle where you just don't happen to fill that gap or it's going to be around the edge. Uh, so, looking at the other issues, so the one person that I haven't mentioned there is Daniel Hunter. He's on IR out for the season, I think, CJ? Yeah. yeah. And former Lions and then former Vikings, but now back at the Vikings player, Everson Griffin's obviously got his um, his mental, his mental instability issue. is back. So, yeah. yeah, it's a real shame. Hopefully, he can get back to full fitness. But Again, two not, big misses. Yeah, massive misses on the edge because they're your sack leaders both, aren't they? So, yes, yeah. So there we go. Uh, so the Vikings, five and six. Pro football reference expected win-loss totals, 5.6 to 5.4. So slightly unlucky based on that. Football outsiders believe that the expected wins for the Vikings this season so far are 7.1. But they've only won five. So an extremely unlucky side, according to those two people. They're second in the NFC North. Their last three games, they beat the Chargers in LA 27-20. They beat Green Bay in Minnesota, thirty-four, thirty-one, and then how did recently, how did my team beat an eight and two? <laughs> <laughs> and then lost to the 49ers, thirty-four, twenty-six in San Francisco. 
DVOA 10.8% is 10th, uh, and we can go into the rest of it in a minute. But what I was going to say is, you were saying that you can't um, can't convert on third down. You're 21st in the league, which is not the worst, obviously, because there's 11 teams no. underneath you. But you seem to put up points every week. So the last three weeks, you put up 27, 34, and 26. So scoring, clearly not an issue with this team. No, it, it seems to be one of those. And recently, in recent weeks, we seem to have taken the range off offense. Whatever, you know, the training wheels were that we had Clint Kubiak under, whether that Clint Kubiak, that Zimmer was having on training wheels, you know, we didn't want to unleash Cousins to his full potential. I don't know necessarily what it is. You know, there's that many conflicting reports where Zimmer's like, Kirk doesn't want to do it. Kirk's like, oh, I've not got the opportunity to. I don't run the offence, I just look at my coaches, my coaches tell me what to run, um, et cetera, et cetera. Since whatever has gone on, I, I believe there was possibly a talk, people over in my American friends over the, at the Vikings have said that apparently the Wilfs have got involved with Zimmer and said he needs to sort shit out because they're not happy. Don't know how truthful that is, um, but since obviously that was posted and I read that, the football has been a lot more satisfying to watch as opposed to this dink and dunk, let's run it on third and sixteen. Um, and get four yards or throw a screen pass which gets blown up about four yards deep. We um, know how it, that feels. So it's a lot more satisfying to watch and, you know, now that Jefferson is getting the ball thrown out to him and stuff like that, he is converting these third down um, attempts sometimes on second down, you know, or we're leaving a couple of yards to run up the gut. To get, to get the third down, whether that's CJ Ham or Alexander Martin or whoever it is. I mean, I'm looking forward to see Kenny Nwongwu as well, potentially getting some snaps this weekend with Cook being out. He's a very, very hot rookie out of Iowa. Um, He's got two return touchdowns on him this season. Yeah, 97 and 99 yards this season so far on kickoff returns. Ooh, it's going to be a that was, uh, Yeah, he's, he's second... Um, was against the 49ers and then he got the first first one I think on his first kick return against the Ravens the first the first time he actually stepped foot on the field in an NFL season for a kick return he, he put it back 97 yards that must be pretty close to the record for first touch if not the record for first touch in, in NFL history be could very well be yeah. yeah right I'm going to break down the rest I of the stats Adam worries me what's that sorry Adam Fitt Adam yeah. Thielen is the guy that scares me. He's already got double-digit touchdowns. He's one of the best in the entire league. He's got like 11 Incredible. scores already. Yeah. So, a 281 points, a 25.5 game is ninth. Passing 277 of 409, 2,934 yards, 23 touchdowns, three interceptions. Three interceptions is first in the NFL. Rushing-wise, 298 attempts, 1,259 yards, six touchdowns, 4.2 yards per attempt. Third down, I mentioned already, 38.1% is 21st. On fourth down, 9 of 14 is fifth. And in the red zone, extremely efficient, 23 of 34, resulting in a touchdown. 67% is sick. Quarterback Kirk Cousins, I've already read out the passing stats. Uh, he's got a passer rating of 105, quarterback rating 57. He's suffered 15 sacks at a rate of 3.6% per dropback. Uh, Dalvin Cook, we've talked about, is out, but he's obviously the feature running back. He'll be replaced by Alexander Matteson this season. 88 attempts, 315 yards and a touchdown, 3.6 yards for attempt, and 21 of 24 in the air for 149 in the touchdown. 
Justin Jefferson, the absolute legend at wide receiver. It pains me to say that, but he's so good. 67 of 98 already for 1,027 yards and six touchdowns. And then, as Ryan mentioned, Adam Thielen, 63 of 90 for 686 and 10 touchdowns. It's a, an offense which doesn't have a huge amount receiving-wise beyond the two stars, but they don't get injured and they put up big numbers. So, and, let, and let's be brutally honest, and that's only with four decent games where we've actually been airing the ball out for yeah. a good portion of the season. We've we've been dinking and dunking it, the odd deep pass as and when, but majority of it's just been runs and disappointing football. So looking at it, I think Justin Jefferson's on about 14 yards per catch, but Thielen's only hanging around 10. Is it that Thielen's getting a bit more of the underneath stuff and, and Jefferson's a bit more of the over-the-top over guy? Maybe it Thielen's does. a bit more of a red zone threat? Or are they just both 1A wide receivers doing it all? I think it's a different sort of ball game that they both play. Thielen used to be the red zone threat. Um, you know, that was the one that he was um, labelled with in Madden. He was the red zone guy. But what it seems to be, for me at least this season, is Jefferson's the type of player that will go up for the ball. He's through Randy Moss. You just got Moss son, sort of wide receiver. He'll go up against a cornerback. He'll land on his feet and keep going. You know, you might see Thielen on um, an in-route, 10-yard in, 15-yard out, curl back, that sort of route. And what seems to be the differences at the minute is if, you put Jefferson on that side, that that side of route. He'll catch the ball, he'll turn upfield, and he'll make as many yards after the catch as possible. Adam Thielen, I think maybe it's an age thing, with him obviously getting upon, getting up there in sort of age now, and he's trying to elongate his career by not taking unnecessary hits, which could injure him, um, and getting rough roughhoused by some of the younger studs in the league that are on defence. He seems to kind of like catch the ball and then he'll crumble and wait for the, the touch on his back to say you're down by contact. He doesn't seem to, in a lot of cases, try and fight for extra yards. If he's got the yards that he needs to make the first down or the catch, he's happy to stay there. I think if he was to challenge for yards after catching the ball, he could be a lot further up the, the yardage chart than what he is currently. Makes a lot of sense. Is there anyone else on offense that we haven't mentioned that we should be looking out for. Your offensive line is perhaps not the strongest, as you've kind of alluded to, in run blocking. What about pass blocking? Pass blocking, again, exactly the same. Sort of. We, we seem to have certain players which are suited for the run. And the players which are not suited for the run are the ones that work well on the pass. But unfortunately, we just can't seem to have a steady 60% across the board, which would be a damn sight more efficient than what we've currently got. We have, you know, 70, 30, 30, 30, 70 when it comes to run block, and then we'll have the complete opposite when it comes to when it comes to pass. And it would be nice if we just have 60, 60, 60, 60 <laughs> all the way across the offensive line, because that's a hell of a lot more consistent <laughs> when it comes to trying to find those holes. You're not expecting them all the time, but six out of ten you'll get a hole when a gap created that you can run through. Or enough enough of a a pocket presence for the for Kirk, who we know is a pocket passer, to get the ball away and be able to go through his reads and his motions. Makes a lot of sense, right? Let's move on to the defense. 0.9% in DVOA is seventeenth. 
points against 276, that's 25 a game, 24th in the NFL. Passing-wise, against 237 on 379 is 2,734 yards, 18 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Rushing the ball against 306 attempts, 1,478 yards, 11 touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry conceded average, which is insanely high. Third down, four, uh, 51 of 136, 37.5% and 9th. So despite DVOA of 17, despite these high rushing attempts and high yards per rush, on third down, they tighten up massively. On fourth down, 8 of 12 is 26. And in the red zone, not the best at keeping them out, which makes no sense compared to the third down percentage. 22 of 32, 68.8% is 27 in the NFL. So great on third down, awful in the red zone. Reconcile that. I don't I get would, it. I would beg to differ going off um, the 49ers game last, last week. Why we so? did very very well. We did very very well getting the thir- the 49ers to third down, and the 49ers uh, multiple times were third and ten, third and thirteen, third and sixteen. And you think to yourself, it's that's got to be a fourth down. You, you know, you, you're expecting to see fourth down come up. You meant you, you're going to see the the players doing that on the field, going, you know, you're walking off, you're punting the ball, and. It took a matter of three seconds for Jimmy G to throw it 18 yards for the first down. And you just sat there as a fan, you're just looking at it going, how? You know, yeah. you'd think, much like yourself, <laughs> Sounds like you us. know, yeah, you get, you get third down and third down in a, in a car park to go. And you think to yourself, you know, you just do stick defense, don't you? You just, you just watch the sticks. You don't let anything over the top and you make sure anything underneath doesn't get to the line. And we were just completely incapable of doing it. It sounds like us. I mean, I remember Darnell Mooney's catch down the right sideline last week. He had a player all over him and still managed to catch it against his, his defender, yeah. I think, effectively. He's like, oh, my God, like, we're going to find a way. The Lions are going to find a way to give up a big third down or three. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys conspired to do the same thing. We, we had the same issue, um, unfortunately, against the 49ers. But then what makes it even more... Rub to, to rub salt in the wound words to the effect of is Zimmer is touted as his defensive genius. And since we got turned over by the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game, I don't know what's happened to Mike Zimmer, but Mike Zimmer, I couldn't classify him as a defensive genius. It's either the entire league has worked out how to defend against Mike Zimmer, like how to play against Mike Zimmer's defence, or Mike Zimmer just is so staunch in his stubbornness and defensive this works and I know it works I'm refusing to change and adapt to the new modern passing game of the NFL I mean I think it's probably more likely that Zimmer is a good defensive coach and it's just defense varies on year to year massively it's a it's a lucky thing as much as it is skill but sorry Ryan I was just saying that sounds like Matt Patricia <laughs> stubborn oh. defensive genius that thinks it oh, works man. but well he's out of a job now basically he's just ticking off lists yeah I mean that's why he's got the pencil right so um, star players at least statistically for the Vikings uh, free safety Xavier Woods two interceptions eight passes defended two forced fumbles a sack 66 tackles 45 Woods solo the other safety Harrison Smith 
an interception, five passes defended, a forced fumble, two sacks, 73 tackles for 54 solo, and linebacker Eric Kendricks, two interceptions, four passes defended, a forced, oh, fumble recovery, even four sacks, 109 tackles, 63 of which solo. And then, of course, we mentioned the edge rushers who have had terrific years but are out of this game. So, despite the defensive struggles, there's guys racking up the the stats. I don't know we how that it. happens. No, but I don't know how we how we managed it either. But we certainly needed it, um, and it seems to be a, a double-edged sword for the Vikings at the minute. You know, when we have good good edge and good good line, we had poor coverage behind. Whereas at the minute this year, you know, Eric Kendricks has been a stud. He's been a stud for countless amounts of years. Anthony Barr, I think, is probably playing his last game in uh, last season in purple. I can't see us picking him up um, going forward. He just doesn't seem to stay healthy, um, which is, you know, a big miss. Anthony Barr is a big presence at the best of times. Um, he's like having a, another defensive end <laughs> when he when he gets sent on those um, those blitzes from the edge. He's like having a second Daniel Hunter. He's more than capable of taking the quarterback to the turf. Um, and we are going to miss him. But Nick Vigil, hopefully, is healthy um, because he's been standing in quite well for Anthony Barr when he's been out with injury. Cameron Bynum, again, in the defensive backfield. He's showing in well for Harrison Smith when he was out with COVID, I believe. Um, Xavier Woods, he got torched at 49ers, personally. I don't think he had a very, very good game. Um, he always seemed to be lacking in coverage or he was getting burned down the sidelines. It just it didn't seem like himself like he, do, he was against Green Bay or um, against the Chargers for me personally. But it seemed to be when certain players need to step up, they are stepping up. But for me, currently, with the defensive line being the bandage defensive line that there is because we had a lot of players out against the 49ers and players went down that were healthy to start the game, like um, Nick Vigil and a couple of a couple of others that the names are escaping me now. It's making me a little bit apprehensive as to just what team we're actually going to be able to field and how much chemistry they actually have between the lot of them in right, regards so to playing an NFL game. I've got the updated injury report for Thursday, so I'll go through that quickly. Dalvin Cook, Anthony Barr, Christian Darrisaw, Cameron Bynum and Eric Kendricks did not practice. Ryan Connolly, Mackenzie Alexander, Sheldon Richardson, Brashaw Breland, Armand Watts, and Dalvin Tomlinson limited in practice, although Dalvin Tomlinson's one is not injury related. And Nick Vigil, full practice. So That's you'll good. get him, but you might lose Eric Kendricks by the looks of it. Because going from limited I, I, to I, did not practice is bad. Unless obviously the rest didn't put him from regard. I hope that Could he's be. not pulled anything again. But obviously, if Kendricks is out, I'm happy that we've got Vigil. Because Vigil, yeah. um, at one point, did early on in the season, did get given the microphone for a game for the, and given the headset. And he actually, right. in my opinion, did an absolutely stellar job of commanding the defence and letting them know what they needed to do. For the Lions, did not practices were Trey Flowers, yay, Bobby Price, Jalen Ruse may have been DeAndre Swift. Then, very fortunately for us, limited in practice this time, Penny Sewell, along with Cadero Harge, Michael Brockers, and Matt Nelson. Full practices for Trinity Benson and Halapulavati Vitae. So, 
if we can get Saul back for this, you know, did not practice yesterday with an illness, limited today, hopefully trending towards playing. Massive, massive thing for our running game. He's been yeah. he's been the best rookie tackle in football against the run or in run blocking. So we need him back. Uh, just quickly to move on to the special teamers and then we'll talk about ways to win. So kicker Greg Joseph, field goals 21 of 25, including a smattering of misses at every range. Extra points, 24 of 27, so three misses. Kick, not the best. And uh, touchbacks on 85.5% of his kickoffs. Jordan Berry, the punter, 48 punts and an average of 47 yards per punt. So, average special teams, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The only thing that could be dangerous, obviously, um, Kenny Nwongu. Obviously, he's coming very much into... Um, into the field now and that could be a turning point in a game it only takes what five seconds for him to get down the field um, once, once he's broken free it's just a matter of him finding the hole but he's absolutely rapid and more than capable of finding the hole or creating one um, yeah. Joseph again isn't so much of a worry for me as a kicker um, no why not he's, he's a lot more comfortable to watch as a, kick, as a kicker than the likes of Dan Bailey and certainly Blair Walsh. Um, oh, Blair Walsh, you have me, but Dan Bailey was... Uh, his final season accepted was a very, very solid Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Bailey was one of those. It got to a certain point with me and I just kind of watched it and I was like watching through gritted teeth and kind of like that in my hand going, oh, I don't want to watch where this is potentially going. Um, I was shocked that he's counting two and a half percent... Uh, sorry, two and a half million in dead count this year how much are we paying that guy that's it's crazy me, but Joseph for me is a lot is a lot more easy to watch there's been a couple of questionable games and you're thinking Christ you know I don't know if I actually do trust him but we've not really got anyone else we're going to have to bring in another kicker um, you know without throwing shade <laughs> directly <laughs> for, for Blair Walsh I believe every single one of his field goal um, point after touchdown attempts that he's actually missed have gone right as opposed to wide left. And it's only been white um, to the right by a small margin as opposed to, you know, another field. Much much like the Seattle game, which uh, I slammed the laptop closed and kind of cried myself to sleep. That's okay. When he, we have when, fight. He, when he shanked that field goal. So we can't say anything. We're on to our fifth kicker this year. Wow. Fifth or sixth. We, we watch every field goal through fingers because we've had some trash kickers. Ryan Santoso's kick is is the one that haunts me because that was the game winner, potentially. 48 yards. And, I mean, it didn't have the legs. It didn't have the, the direction. I mean, it lacked pretty much everything. So, ugh. Right. Uh, so we have two kickers for this game, too. Who knows who we're going to play? Anyway, uh, <laughs> ways to win. So first point I've got for the Lions in terms of ways to win is pressure on Cousins. We know that this guy is one of the best calls of acts in the league from a clean pocket. And I don't think you need to put pressure on Cousins. You just need to make sure he's confusedly lined up under the wrong player. So Andy Josh did Fine. want you to address that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happened with that? To me, it was, um, I can't remember who the running back was or who, who we actually had in the field. 
I remember it happening and I noticed it, but it was the chance of it being able to get rectified. I think it was like seven or eight seconds to go before the snap. And a receiver was lined up in the slot. It should have been on the other side. And Cousins had walked to the line to tell the receiver, you need to be over here. And um, he was like, oh, crap, the, the clock's winding down, the clock's winding down. So he's gone to the line and lined up, not realised whereabout he was stood in regards to the line, put his hand under, um, the, <laughs> under the, um, the player <laughs> expecting the ball. And whoever the, whoever the running back was was running up towards Cousins and we're saying to him, like, you're under the wrong guy. Like, <laughs> you need to move. <laughs> and at that point, Cousins kind of looked down and went, oh, yeah, shit. And then next thing you know, it's like three seconds. So by the time the running back got back to the spot, Cousins would understand to and they were set for a second before hiking the ball. It would have been the way of game anyway. So Cousins took the, took the time out. I mean, God, mate, it raised a laugh from, from all of us in a season. Oh, 100%. Does not have too it, much it, fun. <laughs> It, it was one of those sort of situations. Like the, the timeout was needed uh, to get taken, but it didn't really make much difference. You know, if we had if we had a five yard delay of game penalty, if we if we took the timeout, we we didn't do anything with it anyway. So it, it's it's a miss. It's one of those people are just going, "Oh, Cousins is an idiot. He's lined up under the wrong player." Um, but you know, and people are blaming the, the, the fact that we lost the Forty ers on that particular event. And I'm like, there's a lot of other reasons why we lost against the 49ers. With Cousins lining up under the wrong player is not one of them. Does Cousins' hate generally surprise you a little bit? Because I remember about five or six games into this season where he was in national media. I'm not saying I was saying it, but in national media, he was quietly being whispered as a potential MVP candidate. Someone who played very, very good, efficient football. And I feel like throughout his career, he's someone who has played good, efficient football, good enough to win for most teams. And yet he's constantly derided by our fans, certainly, but I'm pretty sure it's replicated across the league as someone that isn't the guy and you should get rid of him at some point because he's not going to deliver you a Super Bowl. Cousins, it's how to word it without sounding like a bit of a knobhead at the same time and also... Oh, don't worry about it. Purple, typically purple-tinted <laughs> glasses, you know. Um, Cousins is more than capable. You know, his stats say it all. But the thing where a lot of Vikings fans will say Cousins, you know, is MVP is because obviously his stats speak for themselves. But at the same time, despite Cousins' stats that he's putting up year in, year out, he's not getting the wins from them. Because Cousins, without you know knocking him for his prowess and his abilities, because he's doing a damn sight better than I could do as a quarterback. Let's be brutally honest, you know, and he's doing a damn sight better than probably a lot of quarterbacks around the league could possibly do in that sort of situation. But Cousins is a pat stutter, uh, stat padder. I said that wrong then. <laughs> um, That's you know, he, yeah, we know it. We know it. And you know, he throws the ball six yards time and time again doesn't get many third like first downs he'll throw it for you know he'll throw a, he'll, he'll throw a HB screen he'll throw a tight a fullback screen and he'll get four or five yards you know it's easy to complete a pass that you're not having to bomb it 16 yards down the field for and into double coverage you know and Cousins is looking fantastic this year with 23 and 3 because 
he's not taking those a lot of those risky passes. But then at the same time, because he's not taking those risky passes, which is getting the yardage to advance down the field to result in three points, to result in a, a touchdown and potentially six or seven points. He's not doing that. His stats are going up, but the number of wins are staying down here. Makes sense. Whereas, right. you know, a lot of Vikings fans are saying, and this is across a lot of my friends, um, when I chat to them about Vikings, you know, we're happy, we would be equally happy if Cousins had 20 TDs and seven interceptions, if those seven interceptions came from him taking 30, 40 yard shots down the field. You know, yeah. it's a lot more satisfying to watch, but I'd rather watch Cousins get picked off going for a 30 yard pass as opposed to popping the ball up from fullback CJ Ham because he threw it at him too hard. It ricocheted off his hands and got picked off by the linebacker who was going to tackle him. Yeah, totally agree. Definitely saw. So we saw that when we started Tim Boyle as opposed to Jared Goff. And, and Tim Boyle gets these interceptions. And it's like, okay, but one of them was a punt. Like, he just threw yeah. it 50 yards down the field. And yeah, he got picked off. And it wasn't a good throw. But you don't what are you going to do? Not to put it on third down and then kick it there anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you're not bothered when it's aggressive football. No. Exactly. Because Very you are, you know, at the end of the day, you've taken a shot down the field, you've thrown it into double coverage on the hope that your receiver comes down with the ball. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to throwing it 10 yards and you're at the 30-yard line in your own half. You know, throw it at the 40, it gets picked off at the... <laughs> it gets picked off at your own 37-yard line and runs back 15 yards before it gets tackled. You're thinking, oh shit, well, at the very, very least, they're going to end up with three points and that's if they don't move. That's very, very true. Um, Ryan, what do you think are the keys to shutting down the offence for Minnesota? I well, would for, love for to us hear for Minnesota. What, what, what do we got to do? We need a miracle for one. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to because we have zero pass rush. We can't. We need to make Kirk Cousins feel uncomfortable. I don't know who's going to do it because there isn't Ryan, anyone you're, there. You're, to... you're thinking that's going to be impossible with our bandaged line. Yes, because wow. we rush three passes because Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Present just love to rush three passes and play soft zone coverage. The only way we win this game is if we somehow find a way to balance stopping the run and stopping the pass. We can't ever do both. We have to pick our poison and do one or the other. But the key to this is, as you say, it's getting to it's getting to Kirk. And I'm kind of I don't know. I, I would give my left note for Kirk Cousins right now. I would love him as our quarterback. I feel like he'd be a great quarterback. For me personally, quarterback wins, that's not a QB stat. Like, wins are not a quarterback stat. Like, Kirk Cousins does not turn the ball over this year. He's playing safe football, but he's also putting him in lots of opportunities to not lose games and win. He's putting it just on his defence and other teams to do it for him. So, I kind of get some of the fans are upset, Vikings, but... There's teams out there that would love to have Kirk Cousins, even if he's a bit dink and dunk and he's a bit like, oh, timid, soft check downs. But at least when he check downs, he don't turn it over like us. Goff looks to check down and still manages to throw like eight interceptions in this time period and fumbles. The number of times screens have been busted and he's thrown into them anyway astounds me. Like continually astounds Hawk staying on his block because he hasn't finished it off and it's still being thrown there several times swift not getting there or when he throws a running back screen it always seems to be in that sort of like 
that sort of range. And it's like, no, no, no. Running back screen in the hands, please. Like, you're throwing three yards. How can it not be straight to his hands? Like, ah, frustrates me so, so much. Um, the other problem I is we have... For- one of the key factors is we need to do what we've done in recent weeks. We need to play two nose tackles. We have got to go with, I'd say, Lee McNeil and probably see Levi or Pinacini like that. We've got to commit to stopping the run first. And then everything else will kind of come from that. If we can stop Alexander Madison, because we haven't stopped him the last two times, he's literally made us look silly. If we can stop him this time and then make Jefferson beat us, which he might, but if we can make Kirk Cousins have to bomb it downfield, maybe that's our chance. That's really the only chance we've got. We've got to take away the safe options. Everything in front of the line of scrimmage we need to take away and make him go adventurous down the field because that you say, that's him part of his comfort zone. So if the offense for the Lions that turned up against the Bears turns up, I think you'll have a good chance. Yeah, that's a big if, though. That's a big, big if. If we can't get pressure on Cousins, we've got to deal with your your wide receivers, right? So Thielen and Jefferson. How? So one of the things about our defense is that teams know, because we have no offense, and I'm going to run with this point, and it's not a popular point, but I don't care. Our, our defense has held teams roughly in the last three, four games to about 15 points per game, which is fantastic, right? Sounds really good. But teams play extremely conservatively against us because they know that we can't score. So well, if, if the Lions can't score and we only need 15 or 16 points to win the game, well, let's not turn the ball over, which actually has happened a couple of times, which is surprising. But teams go ultra-conservative against us, run the ball quite a bit, which is why our rushing defense looks terrible in stats, despite the fact it's actually done really well. It's just they run it down our throats all the time and we get tired and lose time of possession. Our secondary is not getting threatened at all. And when it does, Armani does pick it off. And credit to him, he gets himself in the right place when it happens. But teams are ultra-conservative against us, and our backfield is full of UDFAs, our, our DBs, or Will Harris, who's like a UDFA on the field every time he's there. Um, so, God forbid, an offense can actually come into Ford Field and go, oh, we're just going to rack up points. Well, we're just going to go for it. And I feel like this is the game with your wide receiver talent, where Cousins could just go, yeah, I fancy 50 points. I fancy 50 points. And, like, I, I really just, I'm struggling in the idea of my head of Thielen or Jefferson against Jacobs. Like, Jake, Jerry Jacobs, our UDFA cornerback, has won the cornerback two job outright. Like, when Jeff Okuda comes back next year, he's not walking, even though he's a third overall pick two years ago, he's not walking back into the job. He's going to have a battle on his hands. And having said that, Jefferson is one of the premier wide receivers in the league, and clearly Thielen's still got he's it. He's unplayable, he's Jefferson. Yeah. So, how the bloody hell is our backfield actually going to deal with it? The only way we can win the game is to rush three, drop eight, and, take it out of it. and to try and force them to run the ball. Because I don't think we can live with the pass. And if we die by run, then so be it. But by God, if we get burnt in the air, this could be a massacre. That's, I see it completely differently to you, Ryan. See, I don't mind getting burned through the air where if you take shots and you make the wide receiver come up with catches because the coverage, as you say, isn't bad. If you make individual efforts, 
where you'll get take shots in a passing game or if we blow a coverage like that's on us if you take the shots and you're aggressive and you win the game through being aggressive and taking shots downfield I can live with that if you want to go on first and second down and get three yards every time like I can't live with that because that's painful that hurts me the way we win this game as well is let's not get called for holding seven times in a game let's not get a personal foul let's not get called for unsportsmanlike conduct if we can't get less than five flags, we will lose every game of this season because right now we're heading to 0-16 and it's totally our own fault and we completely deserve it because we have absolutely no discipline. And when you're going to be a team that's got a balanced offence, if we can't maintain drives, we can't control the clock. So controlling the clock, let's Dan Campbell stop calling timeouts stupidly. Let's, let's manage the clock once because he's bodged a few timeouts this year already and it's, it's hurt us later on. So let's try and manage the clock for once because if you've got a consistent ground game and you can take shots, you're going to do a lot better at managing the clock and not having to take timeouts against us because that's something we just cannot do for our life. If one of the keys to victory is not having our left guard call Jadavian Clowney's mother a whore, then I think we can do that. I really do think we can achieve that. That is a goal that we can reach. Maybe. I don't know. Will Jonah get really pissed off at Sheldon Richardson's mum this game. It could happen. Maybe he's very tempted. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I've just um, had a bit of a realisation then when Ryan was talking and I just thought to myself, I'm there saying the Vikings um, will probably get beaten by the Lions today. And then he said, you know, when it's, when the Lions um, get run on by the Vikings for three, four yards at a time, it severely hurts them. I was like, you know what? It severely hurt me to find out that the Vikings give the Lions their only win this year. I don't know how I feel about that now I'm saying that the Lions have got a good chance this weekend. I just don't if, believe if you. If you're going to beat us, I want you to get a second win just so we're not the only team that gets beaten by the Lions. <laughs> I feel like you're you're doing the typical British thing of doing the reverse mockers. And if you don't know what the reverse mockers are, that is where you dig on your own team as a way of defending yourself against a possible loss because you, you claimed it was going to happen anyway as a way of kind of pushing the fate towards a victory. Come on, CJ, you can't seriously think that we have a good chance in this game. The Lions against the Bears seriously impressed me. Considering how well you played, you know, you played very, very well against Pittsburgh. And to be quite honest, I remember saying to multiple people at that point in time, it was like you wanted to win but couldn't find a way to do it. And Pittsburgh wanted to lose it but couldn't find a way to give the game away. You, you know, neither of you could decide who wanted to win. <laughs> and at the same time, neither of you wanted neither of you wanted to lose. You know, you took that sort of gameplay against Pittsburgh and you turned up at the Bears. The Bears turned up at yourself and, you know, again, it came down to one drive that would have won you the game. You just you ended up going third in a parking lot. You couldn't seem to get the ball and then the Bears took a nine minute drive and killed the game off with field goal at the end to win it you know it's not that you're completely incapable of winning games it's just it never seemed to click when you need it to no no situational football yeah which is what the Vikings are finding themselves in you know the Vikings could have got the win against the 49ers and a lot of people are going no we couldn't have got the win against the 49ers and I'm like well Yes, we honestly could. If we didn't fumble, if Kirk Cousins did get intercepted at like the 26-yard line, 
which resulted in seven points for the 49ers, the Vikings win the game. If Dalvin Cook didn't dislocate his shoulder and fumble the ball, as well as Kirk Cousins getting intercepted, the 49ers are 14 points less off than they, do, than they are. You know, both, both of our teams could be in a much better position with a much better record than we are this year. No doubt about it. I feel like that is a defining trait of both of our teams, our teams that are consistently unlucky because they put themselves in winning positions and end up losing. Ryan, sorry, Lions offense. Let's go for Lions offense. What can we do to win the game? Jared Goff Uh, turned up like he did last week. Yeah, let's start by actually giving Jared Goff Maybe 15 to 20 passes. Like you said earlier, what, they give up, what, 4.8 yards a carry? It was something like that, wasn't it? The Vikings defence can run it. You can run the ball on them. Now, for me, first thing is first is establish the ground game. Give every running back a touch. Don't just bloody run Jamal Williams into the ground. Mix it up. Use Jamal Jefferson. Use Godwin. Try establish running between the tackles. If, if the holes are there, which it sounds like it could be on that defensive line, and we can force a few holes if Sewell's there, let's try work the clock a bit. Let's try extend some drives because the one place we struggle is the red zone. That's where we cannot match the Vikings is scoring because we do not, we barely get to the red zone. So if, if we're good at something, you're not so good at something, let's exploit it. And then when they soften them up on the ground, lo and behold, let's take a shot to Josh Reynolds. Let's actually throw it beyond the line of scrimmage because we did it last week and Jesus Christ, it worked. We actually completed passes longer than 10 yards and two or three, TJ Hawkinson. We used him last week, got a touchdown. He didn't have a touchdown for months before that. Let's get the tight end going again. Let's get him going quickly. Let's try pick on the linebackers that are missing. If there's no Eric Kendricks, there could be a, a bit of room to work with across the middle, front of those safeties. Let's get some crossing routes. Let's work Hawkinson a bit across the middle. And let's just try, let's try to, let's do the Vikings. Let's try dink and dunk our way down the field. This could be two quarter offences that try to play really safe. It's going to be the team that kind of takes a risk, maybe, that might actually get over the line. What do you reckon? For me, it's the, te- it's the team that um, basically pushed, like, like Ryan said, you know, the dink and dunk, extending the drives, it's going to be a possession based game. The team who controls the football and keeps the team's defence on the field for the longest period of time will be the team that triumphs. If the Vikings, you know, can do like the Bears did to you an 80-yard drive and take nine minutes off the clock, that's a lot of a tired, that's a tired defence right there. And the next time that the Vikings get the ball, because, you know, if, if we do that sort of a drive for nine minutes, you get the ball back after the seven points, and you go three and out with Jared Goff, you know, you might you might advance six yards, you go three and out, pump the ball back. You've got, what, a minute, 20 seconds for your defence to kind of catch the breath and go, fucking hell, we're coming back. We're back on the field, you know, that immediately is going to result in Kirk Cousins possibly doing one run up the middle just to see how gassed you are, <laughs> play action pass for 60 yards, and that's, you know, you're, on the, you're off the field again, but we're 14 points up. Yeah, sounds familiar. Like, sounds likewise, very familiar. Likewise, you likewise you do the same before. thing to us. You do the same thing to us, likewise, and we're gassed. And you know, you can take advantage of that as well. 
it, it all depends on the length of the drives and who has the most possession. So for me, there's two things I want to see. If the Vikings are going to stack the box, and if they don't, what are they doing? Like that's the only thing we do is run the ball. I do have to ask. So, um, mm. was it, it Williams against the Bears that was running through some ungodly holes? I can't uh, remember the name of the running back, but he exploited a, quite a few holes against the Bears. So we had Kabinda from fullback take it for like thirty yards on a run. No, uh, I think Godwin had a run, but Jamal Jamal Williams is fifth in yards. Uh, oh no, sorry, I runs think, think, result in the first down Williams. or something like that. Yeah, Jamal Williams probably. Yeah, he was he was um, a name that kept popping up quite often at the Thanksgiving game. Yeah, he was he's a fantastic running back. He's been ultra consistent this year in terms yeah. of just consistently getting first downs for us. So I don't want to see us run into the ground. But so my my point is anyway. The Vikings should know that our strength is running the ball, so they should stack the box. In order to push them back, we have to open up the game by throwing it a little bit. I'd like to see Amon Ra get in the game with a couple of play actions early, because we've seen that that sort of 30-yard play action that happened against Pittsburgh. He's got good enough route running to do those sorts of things. And actually, apart from Reynolds, who can also do it, they're the only two receivers in our team who can run that sort of route consistently. So, push the Vikings back. When you... Goff has got to get his head up, look at what the defense is giving him, and react to it, not just call the play that's being called in the huddle. Like, he's got to be able to adjust at the line, because he just, he can't do it and it frustrates the hell out of me. And then when the defense gets pushed back, run the damn ball. But as Ryan said, don't just run with Jamal. At the end of the day, we were told that they were going to ride the hot hand. The most efficient running backs we have are Godwin and Jamal. Godwin, he could be okay has had five or six touches in his NFL career for two touchdowns, I think. And Jamar Jefferson has five touches in his NFL career for two touchdowns. They consistently get, in their limited touches, 10 yards a carry. It's like, hmm, I wonder who's going to get lots of yards from this play. Just stay with the guy who's running really well. Like, why get away from that? So instead of Going with your lead guy because you know you're going to get consistent receive from him. You know he's going to be good. Give the guys who are playing what a chance. That's all I want. If someone has a good run, put him straight back in the game. And we'll see what happens. If that doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's awful to give these running backs who are training hard, getting rave reviews when they're coming in, not be given a chance. It sucks. I mean, I've got to agree with both of you, though, when you mention, you know, for the Lions to kind of get their offense moving, you need to pass the ball. But it's the age-old the age old saying, you know, the run game opens up the pass and the passing game opens up the run. If one of those two gets taken away from you, you're stuck. You're stuck. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where we've been all season. People have been double-teaming Hawkinson, so you can't get a pass away. And if you don't do that, that could burn you, actually. I think this is the point of the season where teams may start to overlook Hawkinson because he had such an electric start to the year and then teams have consistently doubled him and taken him out of the game. Now it's been so long since he's had a good game, teams might switch off from him. So I wonder whether this could be a big game for for TJ. It needs to be because he's starting to lose faith with the Lions fan base. Yeah, and speaking of tight ends, I mean, you can't be sleeping on um, Tyler Conklin, the Viking driver. He's a little little gem that's getting his uh, comeuppance now with the missing of Herb Smith Jr. this year. 
Conklin. Conklin, what's he done so far this year? 40 of 55, 413 three touchdowns. That's pretty handy at 10 yards of catch. Nice. I mean, I'm a black He's a utility player, if you will. So I'm, I'm a massive fan of Irv Smith. I mean, I think he burned us for two touchdowns last year, and he looked fantastic doing it in one game. I just thought, well, that's the guy I want on my team. I didn't care about TJ. I was looking at him thinking, well, he can just do it all. So, yeah. Any any further thoughts, boys, about ways to win for either side? Other than what's been said, that's basically it. But fair, fair. Right, predictions. A, a lot of it as well is penalties, you know. Yeah. Discipline. Discipline's massive. Ryan, we'll start with you, and we'll go to CJ. What's your prediction, man, for the game? Uh, 35-17, Minnesota. Okay. I mean, do you want to elaborate on that at all? Do you want Why? What's uh, going to happen? Justin Jefferson is going to absolutely destroy Jerry Jacobs. He's going to get a, he's going to get taken to school, I think. It's going to be a hard week. And then we're going to play soft, and I think they're going to use feeling like they did Rudolph. They're going to just use him like a basketball-type player in the red zone, box guys out, he's going to have a touchdown. And then Madison, we're going to get tired. Defense is going to be on the field way too long. They're just going to run it down the middle, and Madison's going to end up probably with a pair of rushing touchdowns. I think we're just going to get tired because we're just going to be on the field too long, and we just cannot get off and end drives. And it's just going to be the same old thing where we just get knackered. 10 seven-minute drives is going to be a long day. <laughs> 10 seven-minute drives, that's a long game, that. CJ, <laughs> what do you think, man? I, I, again, can't call it. You know, I can quite happily emulate Ryan's, Ryan's score there of the Vikings blowing you guys out. But then at the same time, like I've been saying all night, you know, with a lot of players missing on both sides of the ball for us, I think this could be an interesting one for the Lions fan, fan base to watch. So I couldn't exactly give you a score prediction, but I think it could be Lions by a point or two, maybe three. <laughs> I, I think this could be the I think this could be the week for the Lions. And you know that's me being brutally honest. You know it depends on what Vikings team turns up. It depends on how Zimmer wants to coach it. The offensive line wants to play wants to play. We're missing a lot of big players. The defence, if Kendricks doesn't play, that's a big miss. You know, we've not got our starting defensive line. There's a lot of players out there. It's, you know, we're playing we're playing with a pretty much a bandage squad and a couple of uh, second, maybe even third or fourth string players at the minute. You know, yeah. we've got every potential to to play well. It's whether we do is is the is the main one. So if the Vikings turn up and the Lions don't. It'll be a very, very long day for you guys. You oh, know, yeah. if you turn up like you like you're more than capable of doing in certain games this season, you know, let's look at Pittsburgh, let's look at the Bears. You know, those games where you've been within three points of winning and lost in a last minute field goal, that's all it takes for you guys. You know, we've been on the reverse end of some absolutely shit <laughs> shit um overtime kicks and kicks in regulation just to seal it by a point or two. You know, if you get us within two points and have the ball, all Goff needs to do is just get you within field goal range and it's, it's, it's going to pour field with the W. I mean, I hope you're right, man, but I know exactly how this game is going. I know exactly <laughs> how this is going. And it's only because I'm a perverse, perverse motherfucker that this game is going 
exactly like the first game. Exactly like the first game. 1917 to the Vikings. Last minute field goal. It's going to happen I'd, this way. I'd like to point out, if that's the score you're saying, I'm writing my prediction for the spread. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Lions are going <laughs> to... Never mind that. The Lions are one of the best teams against the spread this year because Vegas consistently we're thinks we're worse than we are. Yeah. So I absolutely will take the Lions against the spread. The Lions are going to lose by two. I was only surprised because I thought you were going to go big on the Vikings and like be like... Um, but no. 1917. Field goal to finish the game. The way I see it going is the Lions are going to run the ball successfully and have nothing through the air. I can see the Lions controlling the clock and I can see us scoring two rushing touchdowns and a field goal. That's our 17 points. I can see the Vikings struggling on both sides of the ball. I can see four field goals and one touchdown. And there's the 1917. At the end of the day, I don't think we're going to get off the field on third down. I do think we're going to see us make some splashy plays, but not get off the field. I think it's been our problem all season. I don't see any reason why that's going to change. It would perfectly fit what we're going to do. If we have the ball for 35 minutes and Goff manages to look good, score a couple of passing touchdowns, run the ball well, and yet not win the game, it would be so like the Lions. So, that's me. But since we're talking predictions as well, how are you guys thinking the Lions are going to end the season? Do you reckon you guys are going to go 0-16-1? Or nah. are you going to get a couple of wins under your belt just as the season goes? 1-15-1. Um, let me have a look at the schedule and I'll pick out which game I think it will be. I mean, I, uh, I'm probably a game swing in my prediction at the start of the season. I think I said 10-7 uh, or 11-6. So I'm a little bit out, but I'm only out by a game providing which ones we win from here on up. That's not so bad in my opinion... The Broncos, I think the Broncos is a very winnable game for the Lions. Because in Denver? I do, in Denver, I think, because their quarterback play, I think it's terrible. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater. I don't trust any man anymore on Drew Locke. Their defense can carry them in, but their team, if we can, that's a game like this. If we can stop the running against the quarterback, I think Denver are very beatable because they're a very flaky side. But for me, I've what, had. What, I've been, what day I've is been that in Denver? I think. Uh, Denver's the 12th. Yeah. The 12th. Yeah. Sunday week. I've been burned way too many times predicting Lions wins this year. I've got my hopes up four times too many. <laughs> I am now <laughs> resided to, we're going winless. Or we'll win that one. We'll, we'll, we'll get late in the season. We'll be a party pooper. Someone will sit a load of starters. We'll get a cheap win that don't mean anything. It won't hurt our draft stock. One win this year still gets your number one pick by a mile. We'll still finish three, four games behind next thing, but it's going to be someone resting their stars, someone like the Packers. No, no. So it's going to be the Seahawks in Seattle because that team is oh. the, the second worst team by record in the NFC. They're the only side, other side. Oh, one, are they eliminated yet? I think they are yeah. eliminated, aren't they? So they've got no reason to play on. Russell Wilson looks like shite. Um, that team Smith. is. They just they just look awful, and you know by the time we get down there, they might actually be tanking. So that's it for me. One fifteen and one win against the Seahawks, lose against everyone else. But I'm not predicting us beating the Seahawks. I will not predict another victory for the rest of the season. I committed to that when we lost against the 
when we lost against well, the Eagles. That's the easiest way to go, Matt. That's the easiest way to go. You know, expect expect disappointment and and revel revel in the win. Well, the thing is, I'm not. The guys will tell you I'm not a pessimist. Generally speaking, I'm probably one of the more optimistic guys we have. But I said that we'd beat the Eagles, and not only beat them, I said we'd beat them comfortably, and we lose by 38 points, and I lose my faith. Just a smidge. Can't lose the Eagles by 38 yeah, the, the points Eagles, at home. The Eagles game crushed me as well. I won't predict another win now. I'll predict a loss every week, and if we get a win, like that, nice, pleasant surprise. I mean, I've got, I've got the well, Vikings sports, for the remaining six games, there. winning potentially five of them, but I couldn't tell you which one. Viking schedule, let's have a look at it. It's Let's. nasty. We've got you guys. We've got the package again. Um, so we've got at Lions versus Steelers, at Bears versus Rams, at Packers versus Bears. So you got Bears twice in a quick, yeah. quick click. I mean, so I can see, I can see beating us. I can definitely see you beating the Steelers. You should beat the Bears. I can see you beating the Rams. I can see you losing to the Packers. I see you beat the Bears. I can definitely see five. That's, that's what I was predicting myself. But then at the same time, I also swapped the Packers and the Rams for some strange reason. We never seem to do well against the Rams. The Rams are a mess right now. They are. They which, is why I put it down as a, which is why I put it down as a W and the Packers as an L because we go 50-50 with the Packers this year. I mean, I can see you running the table, to be honest. It's, it's every, we've got the possibility, we've got the, we've got the star power, we've got the talent. It's whether we do. Yeah. And that's the frustrating thing about the Vikings. And, you know, I remember back to one of the first sections of this podcast where you had me on at the start of the season. You said to me, you know, how do you think the season's going? And I actually said to you straight out then, I said, on paper, the Vikings are looking like a team to beat. Yeah, I still it's agree with that. It's just a matter of whether the Vikings turn up and be this team that they are capable of being. Yeah. And so far this season, I don't think it's been the talent factor which has let us down. It's been the coaching for a large portion of the game. We've not been aggressive. No. And so he starts to be field, aggressive we've taken in field goals. We've taken field goals when we should have gone for, gone for it on fourth and two. You know, and we've, we've shown countless times in recent games, we've gone for it on. We, we actually we went for it on fourth and fourth and three, fourth and two, against the 49ers and we converted for the first score of the game. You know we're capable of converting on fourth and two, but when you're at the red zone and you're four or five yards out from goal, why would you kick a field goal? You know, for for me personally, I would play aggressive. Go for it on fourth and two. If you turn the ball over and down, unfortunate, but the four yards from the end zone, get the safety. Yeah, I mean, that's what just the Dan Campbell school of thought. Go for it on fourth down, no matter what. In fact, that's what I want to see from this game. I've changed my mind. I want to see... <laughs> I've changed my mind. So Wait a minute, the Ram- I think it's raining outside. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Campbell against the Rams. I don't know if you saw Detroit against LA, but it was one of the most fun games as a Lions fan I've seen in years because... You kind of just saw a fuck it mentality out there. And it was so refreshing. Like a team going out there going, well, we're just clearly worse. So let's just go for it. And I feel like the Lions, if they're going to win a game, have to realise that every game is like that now. Like we have proven 
no matter what with the unlucky losses or whatever, 0-10-1, you are at real risk of not winning a game this season. And actually go, you know what? If we're in fourth and five, your side of the field, we're going for it. On, on the midfield, we should be going for fourth and five. On our side of the ball, fourth and two, fourth and one, go for it. You got a punt on fourth and one and you've got the leverage, go for it. Just go hell for leather because you know what? That's the way you overcome a talent deficit. If you have got the talent deficit, you need to catch him by surprise in the chess match. And we haven't done that enough. He's gone into his shell again, having been too aggressive in the past. And it's like, actually, that was providing the, the fans with something too. It got the, everyone behind him. And suddenly we've gone yeah. too conservative and people were I mean, out on Dan Campbell again. I mean, this is the thing that you've also got to look at as well. Like, you know... Without rubbing salt in the wound for you guys season so far, you're playing for nothing now. You've probably been playing enough for nothing for the last two or three weeks. Yep. Because, you know, the chance of you going to the postseason is very, very slim. <laughs> if, if not impossible to see postseason at this rate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, I, like I agree with you, Matt, you know, you give your fans something to cheer about. You go, you know what? Let's go for it on fourth and two. If we convert, if we win the games by going, you know what, fuck it. Your fans have had a good day out. You know, you've taken a win against a team that you didn't expect to take a win for. You played aggressive football. And rather than playing conservative and not putting points on the board, you know, you've gone for it. The fans will probably thank you for it. Because mm. I don't know about me, but since the Vikings have gotten a lot more aggressive in recent weeks, especially against the 49ers, you know, it struck that we lost. Don't get me wrong. It did struck that we lost. You know, but... I wouldn't have given a shit if we did, if mm. we if we didn't, you know. I, and this is going to taste like vinegar. And if any of my friends that are Packers fans that have messaged me when the, when we played the Packers and we beat, you know, and it went to overtime and that sort of situation where where it happened with the Packers, I was saying to my friends in chat who were going, "Oh, you just you've just given us an interception like the game's won, like we've won the game, and then it gets called, then it gets called back because it wasn't an interception." which the Packers fans have been bitching and moaning about still. You know, I turned around <laughs> and said to them at that point, if we don't score now and you beat us, I'm not going to be mad. You know, I wouldn't have been mad if we lost against the Chargers because the game of football itself was great. It annoys me if we play shite football. Nothing is interesting, you know, to a point where I'm sat on the couch and like, Falling asleep because nothing, nothing's captivating me. You know, watching Jefferson do a flea flicker and go down the field um, to Thielen for thirty yards—that excites me. I'm like, that's good football. That's interesting. I want to watch that. That 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 keeps me peaked. My interest peaked. You know, as opposed to a three-yard dink and dunk pass, which is just kind of like advanced three yards, get tackled. Yeah, run the ball five yards, get tackled back through the line for three yards first down and it gets very very repetitive gets very very boring you know it's fantastic to watch aggressive football all the time and it takes the sting out if you do lose by a point or a field goal in the dying seconds if the game itself was great to watch well and at the end of the day it actually gives your defensive boom as much as it does the offensive boom because yeah I was saying before that the offences don't really take risks against us. And it's because they know that they don't have to with the offence they're facing from us. We're not going to put up points. 
Well, if suddenly through one quarter, one third of football, they go, well, they're not slowing down. Maybe we're going to have to actually score here, suddenly turn up the aggression a little bit, but they're not in rhythm. That gives your DBs a massive chance to make plays. But we're not giving our DBs a chance because the offense doesn't feel threatened. And we're not giving the other team an opportunity to make mistakes because they don't, they're not being forced to. Sometimes no. you need to let the other team hang themselves. You need to give someone else a rope and say, there you go, do what you want with that. But we just keep the rope for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's a horrible analogy, but it kind of works. But this is the thing, like, if, if I were to put a predicament out now and say the Vikings and the Lions went for a shootout this weekend and it was won 24-25 per team, would you be mad? If, if the 24-25 was field, like, you know, there was no field goals, there were point after touchdowns, a one two-point conversion, touchdowns all round, and the game was won by a two-point conversion. If the Vikings won it on a two-point conversion in the dying second, would you guys be pissed off that you lost it? No, I'd be devastated, but I no. wouldn't be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, right, if you watched the Lions score four touchdowns in an aggressive game of football, and you won it by a two-point conversion in the dying seconds, or you lost it by a two-point conversion in the dying seconds. You know, you'd be upset to a degree, but you wouldn't be angry. No, because no, you know, ultimately, that's probably the most aggressive football that the Lions have played all year. Yeah, yeah. Apart from week one, I'd have probably had a cardiac arrest before full time because we scored four <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> well, yes, it's only I'll, game I'll one, isn't it? Against nine, the nine, nine on uh, speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's wrap this up, boys. Any anything else you want to get off your chest before we go? To sum it all up, yeah. I'd rather lose playing like I'd, r- I'd rather lose playing aggressive than lose playing like a bunch of fannies. <laughs> I completely, completely agree there. <laughs> there we go. That's how I mean, we're I'm going to say what I've always said. You know, in every time I come on, make football violent again. <laughs> you always say that, and skull pride. You always indeed, say that skull too. Pride, indeed. <laughs> a lot of Next. love for the, for the Lions fan yeah well someone's got to and, um, something that we can all agree on the Bears still suck and fuck <laughs> the Packers <laughs> fuck the Packers yes. absolutely I unfortunately do not have my koozie with me tonight because I'm in a different location but I, I would be going out with my fuck the Packers koozie yes yes I love that thing so much <laughs> right the game's on Sunday. If you want to join us for a watch party, please do. That Discord is available to all DMs for the link for that. Next episode on Monday, December 6th. That's the Vikings at Lions Review Show. Mentioned as well the College Football Podcast on yesterday, reviewing the standings at the end of the regular season. Next episode about the championship games. Come, No, sorry. Um, I forgot what it was. But it's going to be fun. I, I can't remember. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we've got the championship games this weekend coming up. So come next week, we're going to be reviewing that and we'll know who's in the playoffs, Ryan. So it's only well. a week away. Can't believe it. I mean, I would join you guys for the um, for the watch party, but I feel like it will be an, an advocation for cyberbullying online if a Vikings fan joins, <laughs> the, <laughs> joins the Lions Discord. You you bullying the, the, the four or five of us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yep, socials. You can find us on Royal the Lines UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please like and sub on the episode. That really helps out. Facebook group, worldwide fans, Detroit Lions fans, Eco One Pride Worldwide. You'll see all of the guys in the D on their tailgates and what have you. It's good fun stuff. Articles, I've been slack on it, but they are coming up again. And especially draft content will be coming on RoyalTheLinesUK.com. 
just remains for me to thank our returning guest CJ Seymour from Viking World Order. Thank you again so much for coming on, man. Pleasure, always, boys. To my co-host Ryan McCluskey, me Matthew Turner. We will see you on Sunday. Let's go, Lions! One pride. One pride. Go pride. Mm-hmm.